Indeed. Omar always starts every episode with a swig from a nice giant cup of fresh urine. I believe they call this Irish whiskey. Ah. Because that's where it's from and that's what it is. And it goes down smooth. Well, tonight will go well, I'm sure. What is happening? You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast episode. I don't don't know. I, I couldn't tell you what's happening at this point. 242. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about some kind of entertaining things. Or, yeah. We're going to talk about pop culture, entertainment, news, movies, music, books, Florida, you know, whatever catches our eye this week. My name is Big Daddy, and I'm joined by Memphis. So, Rob sounds weird because he just read like eight Florida stories, eight Florida man stories in a row. And And I have slid over to Florida woman stories. Yeah, not medically advisable to anyone, so don't do that. <laughs> but, hi, how are you? I'm Memphis. <laughs> from <laughs> I forgot what we were doing! Pittsburgh. <laughs> Memphis from <Lord>. Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. Stanley Good Goodspeed. Oh, man, yeah, that gets to be Goodspeed? That's awesome. You do. Uh, that was from The Rock, right? If I recall yes, correctly. very good. With the VX gas. Wow. Yeah. And and what about you, Greg? Memphis in that... Um, Come on, Greg. Well, it's a Nick Cage role. Is that from Raising Arizona, is no. it? No. No. It has to do with being in the air. Uh, the Con Air? Negative. It's not Con Air? Nah. It is oh, I'm such air. a douche. Okay, I deserve that. Leaving Las Vegas? No. Memphis? Think, think, Fast and Furious. Oh, Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh. Yeah. And of course, There's Big Daddy so was many... kick-ass. Yeah, so many weird crossover yeah. references. My wife was talking about Gone in 60 Seconds uh-huh. earlier, except she was referring to the cat stealing salmon <laughs> from her plate. Did you guys see the original and Gone in 60 Seconds? Just... So that's a remake. I have not. Yeah, it is. I've never seen the original. I have not. I have not seen the original. And I was just talking to my neighbor out front as our kids were playing, and he was making references to uh, The Rock out there, which is very weird. Like, this is all within the past few hours. But anyway. Nick Cage has permeated the culture to the point where we... Could could he smell what, what Nick Cage <laughs> was cooking? No, no. Oh. Probably anyway, for let's, the best. let's do this. <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about, of course, the unbearable weight of massive talent, Severance and Dairy Girls. Not not like cow girls or or cow milking girls, but D-E-R-R-Y. Not D-A-I-R-Y. That is correct. Although either way would work. Um, this is... Sure. Why not? <laughs> this is a review show. So there's going to be... Uh, there's going to be plenty of spoilers. Um, we're going to, as usual, try to avoid major twists. 
if we're talking about something that you haven't seen or read or listened to yet, whatever it is that we're talking about, use your own discretion. Um, I, for one, try to keep it relatively spoiler-free because that's just me. But you never know where our conversations will take us, especially with unbearable weight of massive talent. I definitely want to see that and haven't yet. And I... Yeah, I, I'm i going to try and keep it spoiler-free. I, I I'm going to try not to Severance as well. Severance either, because... Okay. Yeah, because I, I want more people to watch it, and I don't... So if you are on the fence about watching it, because I was, um, I will not be spoiling it. Uh, okay. All right. So we're going to try not to. I'm very excited about both of those things, actually. Um, and mine, I kind of found by accident. So that's a whole... I'll get into that later. Um... So on to the news. Anything going on news-wise? Newsworthy? I got lots of news. News binging? Lots and lots mm-hmm. of news. We are going to uh, start off with something sad that I woke up to the news and I didn't know what if it was real or not. Uh, Rick Parnell. Do you know who that is? That name sounds familiar. Uh, he what He played... One of Spinal Tap's drummers, Mick Shrimpton, mm. in in the movie mockumentary, uh, Spin- this is Spinal Tap, and he passed uh-huh. away. Um, he was seventy years old. He was an actual drummer, and he was also a, a radio host in, I believe, England. But the problem is, and Omar knows this. I'm not sure if Rob has seen Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap, but the ongoing punchline in Spinal Tap is that all their drummers right. die. And like of various weird maladies, and that they're basically interchangeable, which is true. I mean, you can replace any drummer; they're all the same. Basically pointless. <laughs> yeah, they're you know they, they died from things such as, and I wrote a quick list of the the actual drummers in Spinal Tap. That uh, John Stumpy Peppies died in a bizarre gardening accident that authorities said was best left unsolved. Okay. Uh, Eric Stumpy Joe Childs choked on vomit of unknown origin, not necessarily oh, his own, because you can't really dust for vomit. So gross. Uh, Peter James Bond spontaneously combusted on stage during a jazz blues or blues jazz <laughs> festival. Uh, he is leaving behind what has, can, what has been described alternatively as a globule or a stain. Uh, Mick Shrimpton, the man that just passed away, um, he exploded on stage. That's not how he passed away. Uh, Joe Mama Besser, uh, he disappeared with all of the equipment during the Japanese tour. He's either dead or playing jazz. Rick Shrimpton uh, sold his dialysis machine for drugs. <laughs> Sammy Stumpy Bateman tri- died trying to jump over a tank full of sharks while on tricycle. One on tricycle. Wow. Uh, Scott Skippy Scuffleton, fate unknown. Chris Papa Kado, eaten by his pet python, Cleopatra. And then there were nine other drummers that at various times, probably between 1970 and 1981, all of whom are dead. So when I saw that Spinal Tap drummer passed away, I was like, my first thought was like, wait, for real? Mm-hmm. Or is this like a bit? Because it was um, uh, Harry Shearer that announced it. Basically like that, Spinal okay. Tap drummer. Right. And and of course, everyone was like, our condolences, we Maybe. think. Right. Yeah, yeah, but he's like, no, it's very real. And the guy, of course, got the joke. So this is not like besmirching the dead. Like he, he would have approved of us not knowing if it was real or not. But he, he did pass away, and it was just in a 
very interesting little, little thing that no one could, you know, it was like an Andy Kaufman thing. Is this real? Interesting. That's my first little news bit. And uh, does anyone else have Naomi news? Judd. Yeah, Naomi Judd passed away as well. Thought I uh, thought I heard that she it was self inflicted though. I can't find that really, her, but yeah. yeah, I have not heard that. They're saying yeah. they lost her to the disease of mental illness. Ah, interesting. So, so it's kind of maybe yeah, something Mama Judd passed keeping away. under wraps. That's sad. And then. Uh, on a non-death note, uh, two of the Arrowverse shows got canceled. Really? Uh, Legends one? of Tomorrow and Batwoman. Uh, um, I, I didn't think Batwoman was going to last very long. Yeah, there was uh, between the lead leaving. Yeah. and then, It's always hard to replace a lead like that. It wasn't just her leaving. It was like, it was very ambiguous. And then it like, and I don't know if she dealt with anything. I don't, I honestly don't know. But her slowly leaking out stuff about the show made it like, like, oh, I was sexually harassed on the set, or I was injured and the showrunners didn't care, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, the, it the really last hurts I had an heard overall. Was, yeah, the last hurts I had an heard overall was that watch. She got hurt a whole bunch, and she was like, she had to stop to uh, basically yeah. to recover because she was constantly getting injured. I watched it a little bit. I they did a lot of Alice in Wonderland themed stuff on that show, which just that does nothing for me. And it doesn't seem like it fits with the whole Batgirl theme, does it? Uh, it was like a, there was like another character named Alice, and like Bat. I mean, Batman has some Alice in Wonderland like villains, like you know, Mad Hatter, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I don't know. It just didn't. I wanted to. I. I mean, it's superheroes. I wanted to watch it, and I still have season two on my DVR and watched. So. I liked the first couple of seasons of Legends of Tomorrow, but I mean, I I lost interest uh, probably two seasons in. They they were very good the past couple of seasons. They they decided to just be funny, and like oh, they were okay. act- so like they went like kind of weird stuff. Like they leaned into the weirdness. Mm-hmm. Um, both of these shows did end on cliffhangers. Oh, I hate it when they do that. Um, but you know, Flash and Superman is still existing, so they might be able to clean it up. Um. You know, Flash and Supergirl? Uh, no, Superman and Lois. The Adventure of Superman and oh, Lois. Oh, okay. What about Supergirl? I think that ended last year. Did it? Really? Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about Legends of Tomorrow, like, it's just, it's just things that drive me nuts about, like, when pop culture decides to, like, and I, I understand that it's very real to life, but when, like, someone's, like, an influencer or, like, they do the stupid joke of, like, something is happening and the person has to, like, step aside and take a selfie of themselves there. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. I know that's probably more realistic than not doing it but it just reminds me of shit that i that drives me crazy mm-hmm. you're like oh i just defeated a monster i'm gonna get a selfie i'm like you're a superhero like stop yeah like and i get that that it was pretty much i just know, ordered that. breakfast i'm gonna take a selfie yeah like all of my followers need to see this oh christ <laughs> that's exhausting you that's and a, me that's, both. That's brother. exactly why our podcast is only at number thirty-eight in Pakistan. <gasps> Come on, my. F- we're in the double digits. Sorry, Pakistan. Is it Pakistan? I oh, we're <laughs> fucked. <laughs> oh God. 30, 30, 39, 50, 
127, <laughs> 2006. Great. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> we are the what, – what is weird, though, is we showed up in the, the Pakistani charts for some reason under history at number 38. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> and it was – and it was literally last episode where Rob complained about the the one movie, the North. Oh, no, maybe, maybe that's why, because of Vikings. Yeah. All of Pakistan, it's like the buzz on the street is that this like crazy American guy was mad at a movie. Yeah. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> All of Pakistan. Like if Rob travels over there and there's just like pictures of him, like, like caricatures of like, like with steam coming out of his ears and like angry eyes. Giant murals. Hell? On the side of buildings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's he's yeah. a mascot on like a cereal box. <laughs> Angrios, <laughs> or no, he's a mascot of like some super spicy hot sauce. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty great. Wow, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, well, either way, we are number thirty-eight. All right, Pakistan history charts. Sorry for anyone that's trying to learn history from us. Uh, so that was one news. Um, uh, I'm going to do a couple other ones real quick. I talk, told you about the um, those shows leaving, but there is a show coming to Netflix, and oh, it is one of my all-time oh. favorite shows, and that is Iron Chef. They're doing a new season of Iron Chef on Netflix. Nice. And I love that show, and it's like – that's my like – if I happen to run into a marathon at night, I'm like, oh, crap, I'm not sleeping. Now, see, I, I question this, though, because I – is – is Mark da- Dacascos, is he like uh, an Iron Chef? I mean, is he worthy of the title of Iron Chef? I mean, I, I, mean, I he's played he the character. Yeah, he is. He's played the character. Um, and he's, I don't think he has any culinary training. But that's just more of a role. I don't think the original Iron Chef, like I used to watch a Japanese Iron Chef and like the ingredients would be crazy. Like you can eat that. Like I remember, there was one that was like they were doing a bird, like this bird nest thing, and they like were talking about it. Like each one of these bird nests cost a thousand dollars. Holy crap! Damn. Um, wasn't wasn't that still like? Um, but it was still he was still like a legitimate chef, right? Like the guy uh, that you Gascos. had to beat. No, no, no. In in the original, like in all of the other, I mean, that was the thing, right? They were like he was legit- the host. He was like the 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 announcer, the Iron Chef. But you, you, he, well, okay, he was, he, no, I'm sorry, he was the chairman. The Iron Chefs were three or four chefs. They were the ones that were competing. They had the title of Iron Chef. They were chef. competing for the title of Iron Chef. Yes. And then there would be a, someone from a restaurant that would come in and compete against an Iron Chef. Got it. And it was always, in, the Japanese one was always interesting because it would be like, like a person who was like, Obviously Japanese, but they'd be like, he is an expert in French cooking. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, like he got his tra- he got his training here to learn how to all of Mexican all of Mexican right. cuisine. And since he does that since he Wait, knows Mexican what? cuisine, today's meal, urchin. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it was street urchin. <laughs> wow. Please, sir, can I have more porridge? No, but get in the pot. There's some dude with like sores scratching himself. <laughs> why, why am I here? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Wrapped in dirty rags. Street urchin stew. <laughs> I made my street urchin three ways. This is the tartar. I use the essence of the street urchin to season it. So would you use fingerling potatoes? Oh. Wow. <laughs> 
Exactly. This is <laughs> do, you, well. do you make it into finger food? <laughs> okay, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this show is uh, going to be on Netflix, hopefully. I wonder if they release them all at once, because that's going to be a rough night for me. If they do, I'm not sleeping. Uh, well, I'm not anyway. So. I was going to say, you haven't been sleeping the last couple of days anyway, so it's yeah, fine. Uh, there's all, it's, uh, Alton Brown is going to be back as the like announcer person. I'm Mark Dacascos. And uh, Kristen Kish is going to be, like I guess, the the person that walks around and says what everyone's doing. And she is a fan favorite from Top Chef, which I don't know her. But uh, Either way. The narrator. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm, I, I, I do like – it's weird because there's probably – in the entire run of the show, there's I guarantee there's nothing I've, I would ever eat because they always put something weird in there. But you know, all right. But it tastes good. Uh, and uh, the last little bit, I won't talk too much about this, but uh, that '90s show is also going to be on Netflix, which is made by the same people that did that '70s show. Uh, it features the daughter of uh, the two main characters of Laura Perpon and. And uh, shoot, why don't why, how do I not remember their names? The kid, his girlfriend from Eric that Foreman. 70s show. I, I can't remember his Eric name. Foreman and Laura Pupon was her and, name. Uh, that was her real yeah, name. I can't remember her. Either way, the redhead. Uh, it's mm-hmm. going to be featured their daughter. Her name is Leia, <laughs> and she's staying with uh, her grandparents. So the the grandparents are or the parents of, of Eric Foreman are still going to be around, and is set in 1995. So it should be interesting because 1995 uh, for all of us is a very key year because that's when we graduated high school. So it's kind of mm-hmm. etched in our brain. Uh, it will feature cameos from all of the people from the original show except for one, uh, Eric Masterson, who is currently on trial for lots and lots of rape. Oh. So, yeah. Well, there you have it. He was the one with the curly hair, right? That was always – Yeah. The, everything was the, the soundtrack to the revolution. Like yeah. Inside. yeah. Yes. And he was – Scientologist oh. as well. Okay. And then in another 10 years, we will get that 2000s show. Yeah. Okay. I'll check it out. I didn't watch all of that, that 70s show, but. Um, we did not get that 80s show, but that was. We did actually. It was on first. TV. It, it was on TV for one season. There was, oh, there yeah, was there one was an that was show. actually called that 80s Same show. Same showrunners, but did not any crossover characters. Oh. So. And it only lasted one season, huh? I believe so, yes. Wasn't Ryan Reynolds? On uh, it that? was not. Was yeah. it Ryan Reynolds? Was he? Yeah, I gotta look that up now. I feel like. Oh, Google. You guys go on without me. Okay. I'll be back. I'm gonna look that up. So. Speaking yeah. of news, it always gets weird around now. Yeah. <laughs> it... And I've got I've got one here that. While I understand her plight, I'm not quite sure I agree with how she handled it. The title is Florida Woman Threatened to Bomb Hungry Son School. It was Glenn Howerton that was on it from... Oh, uh, okay. Always sunny Yeah, that's why, because I've been listening to their podcast recently, and he mentioned it. Okay, and I was confusing it with... Okay, moving on. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. Continue. It's fine. The, this lady was arrested after threatening to blow up her son's high school unless cafeteria workers started giving him more food. 
Now, while I understand that maybe your son is hungry, but calling and threatening to bomb the school via voicemail <laughs> probably is not the best way to address that. Wait, what, what type of school is this? High school? High school. High school. Just pack him a snack? Uh, yes. Uh, my name is, uh, well, we'll just say Karen, and my son is in Mrs. Johansky's <laughs> fifth period class. <laughs> I'm going to blow up your And I'm going to blow up the school. Yes. Oh, my address. <laughs> exactly. Is... Now, now she was eventually identified as Anaya Smith. Um, the thing is, is she never left her... Well, and see, that's the other thing that kills me is on the voice. She is so, so intent on leaving this voicemail and threatening to blow up the school unless they give her son more food. But apparently she never told them who her son was. Oh, that's hilarious. And she didn't leave her name. The reason they caught her is because the school's caller ID recorded the number. (laughs) So she left a voicemail saying that she was going to blow up the school unless they gave some undisclosed kid more food. That's so funny. Uh, I was like, really? I I don't I don't think you thought this through. It's like an episode of South Park, like Cartman's mom. <laughs> it's it sounds like something that they would like, do, yes. Like, the school is evacuated, Car- no weapons or explosives more cheesy poofs. <laughs> like just if you want him to get more I don't get it. Like, how much did that kid complain before the mom just finally is like, I'm fed up. Fine. Like, what does she want? Have to get two cheeseburgers? Bring Yeah, that's extra not money. that hard. Right? Well, I'm assuming that he's on some kind of a lunch program, but she didn't feel that they were giving him enough food um, and that he was hungry. And it's like, well, you know, kids eat three times a day. Or they, you know, they should eat at least three times a day. <laughs> Um, I mean, school is only there for one of those meals. Well, maybe two. I don't know if they eat breakfast at school or not. But, yeah. I mm, <laughs> Probably not the best course of action. Seems fine. To leave your phone number and a recorded threat. Yeah. That's so bizarre. Huh. Okay. Apparently, school lunch food is significantly better it than when I used not. to eat it. <laughs> no. Omar it, can it, attest. It's just not. It's, it's the bomb. Uh, 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 some more fingerling potatoes, anyone? <laughs> Please, sir. Might I have some more? <laughs> Shut up and get in the pot. <laughs> yeah. Typical Dave. Uh, that's our episode, Street Urchin <laughs> Stew. <laughs> okay. Well, if you find this conversation riveting, I can't help you if you do, but we do have a Patreon, and you are invited to um, insert yourself, is that an appropriate way to put it, for just the low, low cost of $5. And if you join, you'll get Jubal's famous recipe Mm -hmm, for street urchins, mm -hmm. too. He's very good at that sort of thing. Um, Yeah, he dices it very finely, it melts in your mouth. Wait, jewels melts in your mouth or this? Wait, okay. Anyway, so both. You yes. <laughs> in our Discord, the answer is chat, yes. We're gonna have uh, we have um, apparently street urchin recipes. 
Um, you get early access to the movies we're going to be reviewing, early access to our top five list. You get a birthday episode where I really hope that none of that is true. Um, if you want to go into the higher ranges, you can get show note access. We can uh, You can curate an episode. You can join us um, as one or two of our uh, Patreon members have done more than once. And we love those episodes. Those are a lot of fun to do. Patreon.com slash give me five podcast and always spell out F I V E, not the number five. Pretty please. And, and I got to tell you, I think I may be posting a little bit more in the, uh, the food porn channel as I have recently purchased a, uh, air fryer because I have been watching a couple of videos on Instagram and the guy I've been watching is hilarious, but I'm like, I gotta try that. The next meal I'm going to make is a a ground chuck wagon wheel. Have you guys no. heard of this? Holy shit. It's hamburger and cheese and spices like like ground ground chuck. Uh mix uh you know, mixed all together. Fashioned in a fashioned in a ring around like a uh a giant uh ring of onion and then you put another ring of onion on the outside of it and then you wrap the whole wheel in bacon and then you air fry it oh my god and i'm really curious i'm gonna let you guys know how it is i'm not sure if i'm hungry or disturbed yes (laughs) that's gonna be uh, there there's yes (laughs) just yes that's fine That's very funny. Okay, I saw that, and I was like, "Distress podcast." I'm, <laughs> I'm concerned yet intrigued. Dude, that is a great name for a for like a food like a foodie podcast. Welcome back to Intestinal, Intestinal Distress, Distress with Rob, Greg, and Omar. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about food. We just talk about things that are so distressing that that you <laughs> that you need like. You know, whatever. What do what do people take for? I don't know. I don't. I don't. Things that yeah. give you the shit. It's emodium. <clears throat> I mix Pepto Bismol into my smoothies just to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let let's get on to our actual topics here. Uh, well, dairy causes some people to get intestinal <laughs> distress, and while it's spelled differently, I don't know what Dairy Girls is at Ye- all. Okay. So. Yeah, I I um I was just um hanging out with Teresa uh yesterday and we were talking about our usual like movies and music and all this you know cool stuff that we like. And she'd mentioned the show like once or twice before and we just decided to start watching it. And she's seen it I think she's all caught up with with what's available on Netflix at the moment. So we start watching the first episode and I'm just I'm dying. It's it's hilarious. It's very very funny. So, it's called Dairy Girls. Dairy, D-E-R-R-Y, as in Dairy, Ireland. Um, It was initially released on January 4th, 2018. That was the first uh, season. Um, Season 3 is airing now, but it's not on Netflix yet. It's actually playing on Channel 4 or whatever it is in in the UK. Um, So... Oh, oh, see, we're worldly now. Yeah. I have to actually watch this show with subtitles because their accents are so heavy. I, I don't I don't understand everything they're saying. It's like legitimately straight out of Northern Ireland. Um, what what is the redhead to non redhead ratio? 
just to get rocket <laughs> Um Actually, most of the main characters are blonde. No, yeah, there's not a lot of now that that's that's interesting. There's not a lot of redheads in it. Um So it stars I'm not watching that bullshit. Um Swarshi Monica Jackson, Louisa Harland, Nic- Nicola Coughlin, Jamie Lee O'Donnell, and Dylan Llewellyn. That's like the main core group. And then Toralyn O'Neill, Catherine Kira Clark, Tommy Tiernan, and um Shabon McSweeney plays Sister Michael, who is phenomenal. She's absolutely hilarious. The synopsis. This candid, family-centered comedy and coming-of-age story, Dairy Girls, follows 16-year-old Erin and her friends as they grow up in a world of armed police and armored Land Rovers and, and British Army checkpoints in the 1990s of Northern Ireland. Written by Being Human screenwriter Lisa McGee, the story is set during the time of what's called The Troubles. Teenage life goes on, despite the bleak circumstances, and Erin is more concerned about her boy crush not knowing that she exists, or her nosy cousin cousin meddling in her life, who's played, like, it's a great character. Um, Dairy Girls is a reminder that teenagers of Northern Ireland dealt with the same growing pains as the rest of the world. This is not something that I would normally have, like, even thought of watching, because just based... So this is a comedy set um, set in the backdrop of the IRA, like very literally because it's but it's very like cursing. It's very like it's it's not it it, it doesn't come off like Friends or anything like that. Um, it's not it's not like that. <laughs> Could you be any yeah, more? Yeah, no, no, no. It doesn't it doesn't come off as like cutesy as all that. Um, they go to like a very strict Irish like all girls school. Um, and they curse a lot and they get into all these like stupid things, but the characters are so funny. Like they're so they're, they're just ridiculous. Um, I was laughing for right from the get go. It's got some poignant moments because of it's set during the, the troubles. So the troubles are a period of about 30 years that ended in the late nineties. And it was basically kind of a war between Northern Ireland and Britain. Um, they were setting off the, the Northern Irish didn't have the military that Britain did. They they were literally like setting off bombs and stuff like blowing up cars and things like that. Um, dairy is kind of important because it's kind of considered where the troubles started in the late sixties. And even there's an incident called bloody Sunday that you too wrote a song called Sunday, bloody Sunday, where, um, I believe it was 26 civilians were killed during a protest march by the by the by the English and that happened in Derry. Like so Derry's kind of like a central uh-huh. point to all of this geographically, politically, etc. And then you now that's the backdrop and there's these girls just kind of like trying to live their lives and be teenagers. So there there are some poignant moments but it's also just funny. Like there's just really really clever um, like some of the characters are so ridiculous, like the cousin, she's just like this goofy airhead. Um, and they just say the most ridiculous shit and they get into all these little, uh, situations. Um, it, you know what it reminded me of? The first thing I thought of is kind of like something like reservation dogs or something like that. Something that Taika Waititi would make because it's very specific and local. And even like colloquial colloquialisms that they say in Dairy Girls are like these little phrases that 
we wouldn't, even though I know it's in English, like we understand the words, but I don't get what the phrase means. And you hear it a couple of different times. So that's kind of like the Irish version of, uh, I keep going back to reservation dogs because it's so specific to that place and that vibe. Um, again, I definitely watch it with subtitles. You have to. Well, not everybody would have to, but I have to. Um, for example, the word now is more often pronounced noi. Like spell almost like N-O-Y. Ooh. And if I, if I didn't have the subtitles on, I would have had absolutely no idea what noi means. I, 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 had, I wouldn't know. Um, lots of music by the Cranberries and Enya and shit like that. <laughs> I think that's obligatory. Um, the standout character is Sister Michael, who's just a little bit in each episode, but she's super funny. At one point, she has to take over a class for another teacher. She's like, I will be teaching this class for the rest of the term. And then she kind of mumbles under her breath. Which makes me want to rip my face off. <laughs> and that's how she is like the entire time. <laughs> Brutal, hilarious. Like she's just like so matter of fact and it's great. But it but there are interesting moments when they're like one scene they're they're like running after her like dog that ran away and they have to run past like these literally British armed to the teeth soldiers who have a checkpoint. Like in the street, like randomly. So you're constantly reminded of this the troubles as they were called you're constantly reminded um they'll they'll have like a tv on in the background talking about a checkpoint or something blew up or there's a curfew or whatever and it's just always like looming in it's it's always just sort of there in the background and it's it's very interestingly done because it's it's still funny like the the show still is funny but the 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 characters, like even the the teenage, even the girls, like they're cursing and they're doing all the stuff. So it's it's like I said, it's not like a friends type of of thing. But I definitely definitely recommend it. Uh, at least try the first episode. I I guarantee you'll get at least a laugh or two out of it. It's 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 well done. The screenshots on IMDb. Look it's it's very cool. It 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 really is. It's something. It just kind of came out of nowhere for me. Um. Again, because it was just something that Teresa recommended. She loved it. But apparently it's fairly big in the UK, you know? Um, but if not for Netflix, I don't, obviously I don't think we would have known about it at all. <clears throat> but, um, yeah. When I find Definitely time, recommend it. I even if you only that. watch the first you know, episode or two or whatever, just for a little bit of a laugh. Um, very cool. Very well done. Very well acted, too. Like, they're good. Nice. And it's Netflix, on Netflix, absolutely. For those of you out there. Yeah. Okay, Rob, are you still there? You I am me? here. You are there. Okay, that's good. I like when you're here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk. <laughs> to be honest, I checked out when he said no redhead, but, you know. It's true. Sorry. I was thinking about my street urchins, mm, too. Yummy. Looking at pictures of redheads. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about Severance. The, and Severance is on. You Apple have mentioned TV. this in the past, haven't you? It, yes, because I, I, I wanted to watch the whole thing because it could have gone either direction as to whether I was going to actually talk about it. Uh, it came out February 18th, 2022. I have liked everything that I've watched on Apple TV. Um, of course, Ted Lasso and the 1973 documentary and a couple other shows. 
that I very much enjoyed. And I saw this, and it had a pretty awesome cast. Um, it's created by Dan Erickson, which I think this is the only thing he's created. Uh, but Adam Scott is in it from Parks and Recreation, and I think he was the douchey step, the douchey brother yeah. and stepbrothers, if I remember correctly. Uh, Zach Cherry is in it. Britt Lower, who um, you guys probably don't know the show, but uh, he was in she was in Future Man or Future. Oh yeah, yeah. Something it was a it's a Hulu show. Hulu show. She was like what she was the uh, one of the like freedom fighters. Uh, Trammell Tillman, uh, Dykin Lockman. Do you know who that is? She is, no. uh, well, I know, I know Rob will know this. Uh, Dyke and Lockman, she is the, um, she was in Dollhouse, the like half Vietnamese, half New Zealand girl. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, wait, she looks familiar. Hang on a second. Cause I want, she, mm, she looks kind of like the girl from, um, um, oh God. Well, she'll be in the new Jurassic World. Okay. She was the voice in. Um, she was in Altered Carbon too. Actually, that's where. I, that's what I was saying. She looks like the yes. sister from Altered Carbon. Yes, there yeah. she is. And she was uh, the voice of the general in in Raya, which you wouldn't know, but like, oh, and she was in Agents of Shield as well. But anyway, she's really good, and she's she pops into things, and she's she's a very cool, unique look. Mm-hmm. She's like super angular and stuff. Uh, uh, Christopher Walken is in this, as well as Patricia Arquette, <clears throat> and a bunch of other people. Um, the interesting one of the interesting things about this show is that it's actually directed by Ben Stiller. And it is very bleak. It is very dark. Uh, It is very... uh, I think bleak is really the best term for it. And you're like, well, that's... What about Ben Stiller? He's Zoolander. What are you talking about? And then you realize, you know, Ben Stiller also directed Cable Guy, which is also very bleak and dark. So it kind of makes sense. Now, the whole story about this is uh, Mark, who's uh, Adam Scott's character, he leads a team of office workers whose memories have been surgically divided between their work lives and their personal lives. And a new colleague appears, um, and it kind of starts some chaos. So basically when you get a job at this place, they put a chip in your brain that when you're at work, you only know your work self. When you're out of work, you don't have any idea what you did in, in work. And it's, it's very interesting when it comes to that. And then it's, but it's also like when I looked at the, when I was deciding whether to watch it and you kind of hover over it on your little TV box thing and it starts playing like a trailer, I was like, do I really want to get into something this bleak? Because it looks, it almost looked like someone took like the, some of the sets from Loki and like sucked all of the color out of it. It's like got this like Cold War office, like long hallways with fluorescent lighting, like the main office is like one giant room with like four cubicles like kind of aimed at each other, you know, like you're facing the side of the next one in, in like a big square. And oh, and John Turturro's in it. I didn't mention him, but he's awesome. Anyway, it's got that. And then and then the whole series went and the last episode came out and people were kind of going nuts about it. Like, holy crap, holy crap. And I was like, okay, I didn't see what they were going nuts about. So I'm like, I'll watch it. And I won't tell you guys because it's spoiler time um but the thing i think is interesting about the show is like it starts off with that premise and this this woman wakes up and she's freaking out because she's waking up in an office and she has no idea who she is what's going on and they're like you know they give her like the introduction like okay you got this job at this place 
when you leave work, you're, you know, she thinks she's been kidnapped. She has like literally no, she doesn't remember anything from outside. And then as the show goes on, you like all the characters in the office, they're called innies. It's interesting to, because they're all like super into their work. Like, you know, that those people that you like that when you're at work, when they're at work, they have no personality at all. <laughs> like they read the work handbook and they only pay attention to the work handbook. Like all of the mm-hmm. pe- characters are like that. Oh, wow. And so John Turturro, he, his whole thing is like, oh, we get the new handbook this week. He's like so excited about it. He's like, are you guys using the lined paper this time? <laughs> like, that kind of stuff. And you're and like, so as it builds, you're like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And you have really no idea what they're doing, what their job is. Their job is like to watch a bunch of numbers on a screen, kind of like the Matrix, but not entirely. They're watching a bunch of numbers, and whenever a number looks scary to them, they have to drag it into a little thing at the bottom of the screen. So the number literally looks and scary. And she's like, scary? Yeah. So they're like, so the, you know, when she's getting trained her job, she's like, what do you mean, look scary? And like, oh, you'll know. And then finally she like does it. She's like, I did it. You know, so that's, but the other weird thing is, is when you're outside of work, you don't know what you do inside. So if you, for example, get mad and want to quit because you hate your job, when you go home, you don't realize you quit. And oh. there's, and then you just show up the next day. Yeah, and you're back to work. Um, you also don't know if your next door neighbor is like your boss and might be, or is also been severed or had this like memory thing done. You also don't, the, some of the interesting things like that. Like these people, when they're there, they don't know if they're married or not. So like, if someone has like a worse workplace romance, then gets out. They might have a kid or whatever. Uh, you find out some of the characters have done this because they, they had a big tragedy in their life and are having a, were having a hard time. So they're like, you know, let me take eight hours a day where I'm not thinking about Interesting. so-and-so. Or, um, so it's interesting. It's And there's – some of the stuff is like really over the top. Like Christopher Walken's character is the person that, that uh, changes the artwork around the – office and like every artwork is supposed to like set the mood for the workspaces and that's like seems to be his whole job but they haven't really explained that there's some like really eclectic weird stuff that they like run into like they ran into a room where there's like a dude feeding a bunch of baby goats like what (laughs) okay yeah it's very weird so in my like i thought that the big reveal was gonna be some sort of weird cloning thing because you see baby goats and or baby sheep or whatever you think cloning uh it's just it's very interesting and I will say it's definitely like it takes a while to go anywhere. So like I, the first episode I watched it and I was like, okay, I'm interested enough of all of these like things that could be happening. The acting was great. As I said, John Turturro was, was awesome. Um, his, and he's, he, John Turturro happens to be having like hallucinations of like this black oil, like dripping through the ceiling and running down his computer screen. And you don't really know what that is of like, is his brain breaking or something? You have to kind of, that's like kind of one of the weird little like side things. Um, and it's just a quirky little show, and I don't, I don't know if it's trying to say anything. But at the same time, you can make it kind of say whatever you want it to. Like, is it talking about the bleakness of the office workplace, or is it saying, like, they never tell you anything about that, but. There are things like I was watching it, and there were certain things that I was like, "Oh, this reminded me of when I worked for Lockheed, and everything sucked, and I was so bored at work." 
and all I wanted to be was somewhere else. And I'd be like, if I worked there and this was a thing, would my job have been better? Because I wasn't thinking about doing other things mm. somewhere else. Um, so it's, I think it's good. And, you know, was the, was the last episode as shocking as ever made it out to be? No, I don't think so at all. Um, but that might've been because everyone was making it seem so shocking. So, uh, they did get a season two. So I'm kind of excited about that. And mm-hmm. it is of course all streaming on Apple. I'm definitely going to watch that. I definitely won't. That sounds great. Well, there you go. Because it's only on Apple TV, and I don't have Apple TV. Fair enough. The thing I actually find really interesting about that is the exact like corporate atmosphere and the way the place looks and all that reminds me of what I think working at Apple would be like. (laughs) So, like, I was actually it took me a while to find mind control and everything, right? Like, because like (laughs) they show they show the the building like one episode they show the outside of the building and it's like this big it's the bell Labs something in new jersey like the actual building but it looks like what a corporate apple headquarters would look like to me and like when i first decided to watch the show i didn't realize it was going to be on apple tv because i was like no there's no way they would make something that was so close to home so i'm like looking on amazon prime like no it's not there is it netflix no and i couldn't remember the name i'm like i just do it as a weird like corporate show <laughs> but hmm. it was it's interesting but not as interesting as Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I I got to tell you, I I am loving the the Nick Cage that we've seen over the last several years. Um, you know, doing the 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 offbeat, you know, Nicolas um, Cage songs. Nice. Yes. Doing the non-blockbuster titles. He he's totally held my attention more. Than when he was doing, you know, movies like Con Air or The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, I, the I went and saw his latest movie this past weekend. It was actually released on March twelfth of twenty twenty two, and I finally got around to seeing it. But it's it's called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and it does star Nicolas Cage playing himself, uh, Pedro Pascal. Tiffany Haddish, Sharon Horrigan, Paco Leon, Neil Patrick Harris, Lily Moshin, Alessandra Mastronardi, Jacob Scipio, and Katrin Vankova. And the brief synopsis is that Nicolas Cage, uh, channeling his iconic characters, he's caught between a superfan and a CIA agent. So basically, he's hired to play at a birthday party and the cia is telling him that this is like a big drug lord who has actually kidnapped a rival's daughter and is holding well a rival politician's daughter and is holding her hostage unless he drops out until he drops out of the presidential race in spain and so nick cage shows up not knowing anything about the gig and not knowing who he's there for and the CIA kind of like intercepts him on the way there or once they find out that he's there because he comes in this guy's private plane and they were trying to to pick him up or whatever. And Dick Cage just shows up at this guy's place and he's acting like the uh, the Hollywood movie star, you know, the, the stereotypical narcissistic Hollywood movie star. Um, but he, he kind of starts to like this guy. 
and they get along really well and it's like it's a comedy with some drama involved there's a kidnapping they're kind of writing their own story they're talking about doing a movie together uh nick cage is feels reinvented uh reinvigorated after meeting this guy who totally idolizes nick cage it it's just it is just right up nick cage's alley as far as what he's been doing recently and i i Jen and I went and saw this and we loved every minute of it. It was it was really entertaining. There was there was a touch of believability with the the whole humanity and the struggling with the the narcissism and the self-centeredness that you imagine a lot of Hollywood elite do. Um yeah, I I did just call Nick Cage Hollywood elite. Um I, you know, especially those with like a really long movie history behind them. Um, I mean, whether or not it's true, Nick Cage pulls it off, and it really adds to the movie. Um, I'm trying not to give any of this away, but there's just so much going on in this movie. Um, Drug lords, kidnapping, uh, buddy comedy, uh, cops trying to do a giant drug bust or whatever. So much fun. I don't want to spoil any of it. Check it out. I highly recommend this movie. It we enjoyed it very much. Did you guys have any questions about it? So that I don't spoil anything so that I can stop talking and not let stuff slip. Uh Which version of Nicolas Cage are we getting? What do you mean? Like unhinged, crazy. You're getting a everyday. more you're getting an everyday Nick Cage. You're getting a subdued um almost like i mean he's essentially playing himself so he's not he's not playing another character i don't know how much how much story is added into his quote unquote character of himself um i don't know how much of this this self-centeredness is actually has actually been part of nick cage or part of his past i mean it's not it's not something that i i mean i don't know nick cage i can't you know can't say that you know i'm familiar with him either way but it's not something that i imagine with a with an actor who so readily is seems to be self deprecating takes on these roles that kind of poke fun at himself, you know what I mean? Okay. But it's a it's a little bit more subdued that kind of gets a little crazy towards the end. Like the situation that they're in kind of amps up the hysteria, and everybody's kind of like <laughs> going through it. Yeah. Interesting. I'm That's another one I'm going to see. There's a lot of stuff I have to kind of see, but we'll see what happens. I mean, it really was a lot of fun, and I don't want to ruin it for everybody. <laughs> the trailer was great. The trailer was one of those that, when it came out, was kind of sent around amongst different people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know we talked about it when it came out. Yeah. I was like, is this a real movie? <laughs> It kind of it looked like it could have been like an SNL skit. Yeah, yeah. It it was totally worth the time to watch the movie. It was worth it was worth the admission. Do you need to see it in the theater? Probably not. But it it's definitely one of those that you should check out. I I mean I would rate it on I I would rate it like you know Willy's Wonderland and we enjoyed the shit out of that movie, Greg. That was a fun movie. It really was. So th- this is right right up right along those lines. I wonder. You know, when he does these, I'm saying these smaller movies, but when he does smaller movies, I wonder if, like this one, if he had in mind that this might have been a smaller movie. 
and it started snowballing and people started paying attention to it and you know they're like oh we might have something here let's let's push it to a wider audience it's like we didn't know willie's wonderland came out until after it was already on like streaming right right um and it's it's kind of funny because they kind of talk about that in the movie like while they're talking about their movie they talk about you know um trying to make a decent movie not appealing to the masses but then you've got to then you've got to get people in the seats, so you've got to have the hook and all of this stuff, and it it, it gets very meta it, very fast. It, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, guys, that's going to bring us to our question for the evening, and based upon the unbearable weight of massive talent, we want to know what are your top five meta movies or meta moments in movies or meta movie moments? Yeah, I think that's right. Well, I don't know. Should I go? Yes. I guess, maybe? Yes, maybe. Great, then. I just want to take a little bit of a moment. I don't really necessarily have an honorable mention, but I feel like I want to call it the very first ever meta moment that we probably all saw. Possibly. Okay. Okay. And I I need to mention Chuck Jones, the underrated and under-talked about Chuck Jones, the Looney Tunes animator. Okay. Who uh, who did a little uh, thing called Duck Amuck? Remember that? That sounds nope. familiar. Where Daffy where Daffy Duck was having an argument with the artist that was trying to draw him, and as he was being drawn, Daffy was like getting angry, so that so the artist would erase him and change okay. him. And, okay. And yeah. So that was to me. That's my very first meta moment that I can ever remember. And they turns him into like a weird thing with like a daffodil head and four legs and stuff. Yep. So everyone go on YouTube and find Duck Amuck. Watch that because that. Is glorious and don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Under remembered. You're but, not the boss of me, sir. Yeah, but I could edit it to make you say like crazy, strange crazy things. Stuff. But True. I probably have you saying almost every word in the human language on recording. I can just like you know, parse parse that out with a lot of the profanities. Yeah, not all of the profanities though. There are some you've never said on recording, which is good because those are like the fireable ones. Mm. <laughs> and we don't say those things. So, but I could have you be like, on you know, I, I have an entire chicken in my butt. Just like that kind of thing. And now we all have me saying I have an entire chicken in my butt. Yeah, we don't even have to edit that one. <laughs> yeah. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> uh, number five, Cabin in the Woods. Okay. Just big fan of all the, the meta monsters. And even more so when we got to do the haunted house, which could have been better, but it, it was just you know. Could have been better. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go number four, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Okay. Uh, there is of uh, that, as I said right before we start recording, that movie could pretty much be the answer to all of our top five questions. Very um, likely, yeah. Top five heavy metal bands. My number one is Monty Python. <laughs> but no, just the, the the getting arrested by you know the the crime people and all that stuff just little scenes like that uh number three scream basically the whole movie is yep meta in jokes in you know talking about the horror genre at, at a moment and really was a shot in the arm of the horror genre at the time because it had become so stale up to that point uh that it was needed uh, number two pretty much Everything Mel Brooks does, I'll just say Spaceballs, but could be Blazing Saddles. The whole VHS scene is incredible in Spaceballs. Uh-huh. 
and love that scene. And it just you could probably write all sorts of papers about it with What the hell am I looking at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When like, does this happen in the movie? So that would be my number two. Uh number one, pretty much also the entire movie. I'm gonna go with being John Malkovich. Okay. Uh you know, just such a weird, bizarre acid trip of a movie. And honestly, one and two can be interchangeable. I switched it back and forth a bunch. Fair enough. Uh, do we want to do some, one of our guest, uh, not guest, but uh, one of our uh, patrons? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Things. yes, yes, we do. Do we have more okay. than one? Uh, well, Alex sent one. Okay. Oh, this is, a, you know it's going to be good. Here he always is. kills it. Hey, this is Alex. I forgot to do this last week for Rob's birthday. Uh-oh. You know, has, oh, as his tradition, it's time for the top five things people didn't know about Rob. Oh, God. I'm so happy to delay your birthday, Rob. I did say it on the Discord. Uh, number five, Rob actually hosts another podcast. Uh, as everyone knows, he likes, he has a collection of toys that he um, likes to put on the Discord. These are some uh, of the collections that he doesn't put out there. It's mostly his collection of Cabbage Patch dolls. <laughs> Ooh. Number four. That's true. <laughs> um, Rob, Rob is an avid reader. He, you know, he reviews lots of books. Uh, but he doesn't tell people what his favorite book is, which is actually any book about film analysis by film critics. You know, Rob's a big champion of film critics. <laughs> Number three, <laughs> you know, everybody has a movie they're most excited about that's coming out. You know, for some people, it's, you know, maybe the new Thor movie or whenever the next Star Wars movie. But for Rob, it's actually the live-action sequel to The Lion King that's set to come out in a couple of years. And I'm not kidding, you know, for the people who didn't know about it, but Rob definitely does and will be there on opening night. Oh, Number two, um, this is... Uh, Alec. Uh, kind of an unknown Safe. fact because he doesn't review these movies on the podcast, but Rob is a lover of art house movies. He especially likes the slower ones. Um, he plays a character on this podcast. He really actually enjoys the Northmen and, you know, the fact that uh, he didn't have a lot of action for him. I did not. Number one, um, Rob has been on a couple of cruises and, you know, nobody ever quite asked, you know, where is he going or what kind of cruise is it, but I found out. And these are musical cruises, and in fact, they're themed uh, to the Kiss band. He's going on Kiss cruises, and he dresses like his favorite member of Kiss. So, nice. just some things that you didn't know about Rob. I hope I helped. A happy birthday. Hope it was a good one. Bye. <laughs> well done, Alec. Well, a few things there. One, Alec does clearly does not um, fear, or does, he uh, doesn't care about his own safety. <laughs> Rob has been outed. <laughs> Of of all the things on the list, the most disturbing I think was the the idea that I was interested in the Lion King live action sequel. Yeah, and also the Cabbage Patch Kids that he collects are oh, not. Oh, no, that's true. They're not the real ones though. They are off brand Cabbage Patch Kids from mm -hmm. from like you know like random Asian countries. And and I have them like, like all Sprout mounted Patch on kids. a wall so that when you yeah. walk in, they're all staring at you. Yeah. One of them supposedly has the soul of a 13-year-old boy in it. We're not sure. Supposedly? No, it's there. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you, Alec. But he also did send in a real one. He was on fire this week. Hey, Give Me Five podcast. It's Alec, top five meta movies. Um, I didn't go by necessary scenes as much as just the movies, um, just to make my list a little easier. Number five is Last Action Hero. Uh, it's 
I think it's an underrated Arnold movie. I know it didn't do well when it came out, but I think it's actually pretty clever, pretty fun. Number four, um, two Mel Brooks movies, uh, Spaceballs and Blazing Saddles. They both, in the movie, acknowledge that they're movies and they're pretty funny about it. Spaceballs is, you know, obviously definitely uh, a little more meta as it's, you know, a spoof of Star Wars in a lot of different ways, including the marketing. Um, number three is another kind of tie to movies about Hollywood, uh, The Player from 1992 starring Tim Robbins. It's a really uh, good movie about Hollywood, and the ending is totally meta. And then the other one is Bowfinger with Eddie Murphy oh, yeah. and Steve Martin, which is another one that kind of skewers Hollywood. Number two, I have the movie that I think is most uh, considered meta by, pe- by most people. Uh, it's probably the, uh, one of the movies that influenced uh, the Nicolas Cage movie that I'm sure you guys are talking about this week, and that's being John Malkovich. Um, obviously, it's a really good movie, and you know John Malkovich is playing John Malkovich. And then my favorite meta movie um, is Scream. Uh, you know, I love this movie. Yeah. I don't love every movie in the, the franchise as much, but this one was a perfect movie, and you know, spelled out the rules of horror while in the movie for obvious reasons. So that's my list. Hope you like it. Thanks. Bye. Nice. Awesome. Again. Yes. Very well done. Yeah, I, I thought about the player, but there's a scene in the player. <laughs> no. You guys I've seen the player? Seen no. There's a scene where um Tim Robbins is like in a like a mud bath pit kind of thing. Like you see people like at the spa and they're like sitting in a mud pit. And that's kinda like the first time I ever saw the movie. It was like right at that part. And he gets up and it's just like his mud congealed penis is completely visible. <laughs> but I didn't know what it was. So I'm like, it completely. Oh, you knew what it was. Before. No, the mud. I didn't know it was mud. I was like completely oh. and utterly grossed out because I was like, what is this? I was like flipping through and it was like on HBO or something. I'm like, what the hell is this? Because I was 100% convinced that he was like covered in feces and it completely grossed me out. So, yeah. Anyway, speaking of things completely covered in feces, Omar, what's oh, your list? Okay. <clears throat> Well, <laughs> um, I'm going to – let's see. I do have my five. I'm going to do one honorable mention. There's a great scene, just one little quick thing. Um, and I remember being so blown away by it. I thought it was the funniest thing even though I was pretty young, like maybe early teenager. In Tango and Cash, there's a scene where – um, they are, they're surrounded by some police officers or whatever. And one guy goes talking about Sylvester Stallone. He goes, who does he think he is? And someone else goes, he thinks he's Rambo. And then, and then somebody in the background goes, Rambo's a pussy. And it was just fucking hilarious. Cause it's Sylvester Stallone. And I just, that, that part of that's always stuck with me. And I just thought that was like the funniest thing. Cause you know, obviously they didn't have to put that in the movie. Anyway, that's my honorable mention. I love that. Um, num- I think my number five, I'm going to go with Scream because it was such a pivotal m- movie for that genre, for like our generation, for our age group. Um, mm-hmm. It did such a great job, and that first movie was really, really good. Um, excuse me. I'm all burpy. Number four, I think I'm going to go with Zombieland. Um, I love how they have like the rules in there and they just kind of like wink at zombie movies. I thought that was really, really great. Talk yeah. To the whole movie. Um, number 
three. I think this is a little bit cheating, maybe. And it's only one scene where this happens. But it's kind of like in Tango and Cash, where it was like such a funny thing. But one of my favorite movies when I was too young to watch this movie, because we've talked about this and we had zero parental supervision, was the movie Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks from like 1983, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. There's a scene at the end where he's like, <laughs> he ends up in a 3D movie theater. And, like, in a fight to, like, save his girlfriend or whatever. And as they're fighting, they go up on stage and everyone's wearing 3D glasses. And they end up, like, there's this woman in the front row who gets, like, actually punched in the face. And she's like, whoa, what a great, (laughs) what great 3D (laughs) graphics or whatever. And then the last thing you see is, like, there's, like, they're watching, like, a spaceship movie. And then an actual bus crashes through the wall into the movie theater. And everyone's like, woo, and like cheering. Which I just thought was like the funniest fucking thing ever. Especially because I was, like like I said, too young to watch the movie. I was probably like 10 or 12. But to me, that just felt like a really, really meta, like wacky thing. Um, mm-hmm. Number two, I thought Deadpool was genius. I think everybody, you know, to some degree or other likes Deadpool and they did such a good job of mocking itself, so to speak. It was just so good. And it was so unexpected because it's a Marvel movie and Marvel's not supposed to be dirty and blah, 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 right? And it's such a great movie and Ryan Reynolds is awesome, etc. And I think my number one's got to go to Spaceballs. Because, yes. I mean, that's, you know, come on. I mean, I agree, any Mel Brooks, but... Like, Spaceballs is just so fucking good. And everything about it is just so perfectly done. Um, especially, like like you mentioned, I think Greg said, the, the scene with the, with the, when they're rewinding the tape. They're, yeah. You're looking at now. Everything that happens <laughs> but now, what is now? happening now. Now is now. It's, like, so good. It's just, and they're, like, looking back and, like, waving at the camera. <laughs> what happened to then? We missed just it. Now. When? Just now. <laughs> We're in now. I mean, that's amazing. Did, that's so good. Did did people have a complaint about the the mass marketing of Star Wars before it was very blatantly pointed out in Spaceballs? Oh, probably not. Because like, like I was young, but so I don't remember. But like, I don't think people cared. And if you notice now, people complain about the mass marketing of Star Wars all the time. And I'm like wondering if that's like if Spaceballs wasn't like, yeah, see what they're doing. And then when Space Star Wars came Balls out, again, the yeah. flamethrower. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> because that because Spaceballs came out after the first three Star Wars movies. When this when the next group of Star Wars movies came out, people were complaining like, "Oh, look, they've got an Episode One Phantom Menace frisbee, or you know, and like other random stuff that I think mm-hmm. people actually started complaining about because it was more than toys. So I just do I wonder if that didn't kind of shine a light. Possibly, yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, I, I would say that like those that episodes one, two, and three. Like, the, the episodes 4, 5, and 6, the marketing for it and the toys and all that made sense. Yeah, t-shirts and action figures and all that. Well, it also didn't happen right away. It was like, people were, were begging for That's fair. For it. Mm-hmm. But then with four with episodes 1, 2, and 3, and like, what was that, around 99, 2000? Um, yes. It was, though. It would seem like, they, they, like anything they could stamp the word Star Wars onto, they would. I'm not saying I necessarily blame them, whatever. I'm not making a judgment call. I'm just saying it, it was 
face right. the toilet paper. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. But it, but you're right. Maybe Spaceballs pointed out the absurdity of it. And and honestly, that was never actually something that they mentioned. That was just something that they showed in the movie, right. which was hilarious. They did such a good job. I, I thought it was... Spaceballs is like the original. I mean, it's just so, so good. It's just so good. Mm-hmm. Okay, Rob. Take us home. Um, I'm going to do a honorable mention, and I'm going to use Deadpool. Deadpool is just so well done. It's... It's really self-aware. It knows what it is, and Ryan Reynolds was born to play the role of Deadpool. I mean, let's let's face it. He is perfect as Deadpool. That's going to be my honorable mention. My number five... I'm going to put Blazing mm-hmm. Saddles at number five. I'm actually splitting them up. I'm going to put Blazing Saddles at number five. The whole movie within a movie, the... The fall of the Western competing with like the um the the French musical or whatever it was at the end of the movie was just hilarious. I I Blazing Saddles is also one of those movies that would never get made today. That movie is so <laughs> offensive that 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 would that would be boycotted and would be shut down before it was even released. Um, at number four, I'm going to do Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Really great awakening moment at the end. And one of my favorite stories about Monty Python is my dad was watching it with my, at the time, stepbrother, who was still really young. And they got to the end of the movie where the guy, where the uh, policeman walks up to the camera and like grabs the camera and you know the reel goes up and it all goes like black or whatever. And my stepbrother kind of sat there and stared at the screen for a minute. And then he got up, walked over to the VCR, and hit the fast forward search button. And my dad looks at him and goes, "Hey, uh, what what are you doing?" (laughs) He goes, "I'm looking for the end." My dad goes, that was the end. That's it. That's the end of the movie. And he's like, nah. And he's like, yeah, that was it. That's all there is. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> and he looks at my dad and goes, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not wrong. You're you're not wrong. But that's kind of what makes it funny. So Monty Python is going to be that's... my number four. My number three is going to be a movie that I'm surprised hasn't been mentioned yet, and that's going to be Fight Club. I'm going to put Fight Club at number three. Just a really, really well-thought-out movie. Um, a, a couple of really great Breaking the Fourth Wall sequences. It even it even pointed out a bunch of things that I'd never noticed in cinema before, like the, the cigarette burn when they splice a piece together. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they actually point Not to anymore. it and show show it on the screen and whatnot. Very, very, very well done. And the the intricacies that went into the script, I mean, there were a couple of things that I didn't even notice until, you know, other people pointed it out. Like the, um, do you remember the car crash sequence? Or where, where him and Tyler Durden are driving in the car and then the car wrecks and like rolls yeah. over a couple of times? Yeah. 
Did you ever notice that in that scene, Edward Norton actually gets out of the driver's seat? No. Even though he was sitting in the passenger seat and Tyler Durden was driving. Ah, interesting. There's all kinds of like little things like that in that movie. It's it really well. It's a great movie. I must have watched it fifty times, but I didn't notice that. Um. So that's my number three. My number two. And I've gone back and forth on this. You know what? Screw it. I have to. I'm going to put Scream at number two. Scream at number two. Just because of what it did for the genre and how how it brought to light the the horror movie tropes, and then completely leaned into it, which was just amazing. The first Scream is by far the best in the franchise. So Scream is going to be my number two. My number one... And probably my favorite, one of my, well, I was going to say Monty Python is damn good, but probably my favorite movie on this list is Spaceballs. If, if for nothing else than that VHS scene, but there, there are so many parts in that movie that it's just, I mean, even the scene where he like accidentally kills the, uh, the crew member with the short string, just, oh, uh, he did it. Oh yeah. That's so (laughs) funny. I mean that that movie is so good. Mel Brooks is a genius. I I just absolutely love Spaceballs. So Spaceballs is going to be my number one. Nice. Well, uh, that finishes up our episode. So uh, we're we're gonna say goodbye. Goodbye. But uh, if you want to contact us and let us know when we are that we're wrong, and if you can do it in a meta sort of way, that'd be cool. Ooh. Don't know how you can figure that out, but you guys are smart listeners, so figure it out. Uh, you can check us out at GiveMe5Podcast.com, uh, at GiveMe5Pod on Twitter and uh, uh, Instagram and all that fun stuff. Um, but all of the rest of our information is at GiveMe5Podcast.com, so feel free to contact us through there. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, guys. And remember, like I always say, You only live once, but if you die twice, you probably took a wrong turn. Is that bad? I hear the I I hear the pulse of someone's hand. Like I hear like blood sounds. That's a really good microphone. I am not holding my microphone. (laughs) Yeah, see, he's actually good headphones. He was holding it up to his boner. That's how I was holding it. Yes. Uh, You know what? I don't care. No, I'm making. Yeah, shush.